Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. It's the show about nothing. How can the show about nothing go so long? Five, four, three, two, one. G'day viewers and welcome to Radio Hot Lap episode 144. That light-hearted podcast, the ad zany podcast, that takes a look at motor racing locally and internationally, cool emerging technologies, gadgets, barbecues and submarines inland when available. On the show today, joining me, as usual, my very reliable and friendly co-host, JP. <laughs> Hello, Johnny. How are you, mate? In oh. business class down the back there? <laughs> yeah, out the back. In first class, we also have La Fergoire, who, sitting alongside in the uh, Honda Odyssey that has been kindly lent to us, courtesy of Honda Australia, is the folks with his faux wood. <laughs> on the dashboard here, yes. I'm sure it's real. We're on the road again, Johnny. We are on the road again, and uh, mate, uh, write a song about that. it's not often that you find a submarine in the middle of Australia. Holbrook. Now, there is a bit of a story about that. What do you know about it? You too. Holbrook is landlocked, of course. It's uh, roughly, or I think it is halfway between Melbourne and Sydney on the Hume Highway. It will soon, maybe a little bit unfortunately, be bypassed by the uh, completion, finally the completion of the Hume Freeway on the New South Wales side. It's only taken them about 20 years to catch up to speed with the Victorians. And it, as you say, it does have a submarine, an Otway, HMS, HMAS Otway submarine. Um, You'll have to speak up a bit, JP. And, yeah, that's alright. And JP, as uh, Hardy alluded to, there is an interesting story as to why it's there and, in fact, why the town is called Holbrook. Well, the town's called uh, Holbrook in uh, honour of a uh, First World War submariner, uh, Lieutenant someone or the other, who was the first... <laughs> Holbrook, obviously. Commander Holbrook, Commander, yes. sorry. To you. Um, and he was the first seaman to get a VC. What? Is this an episode, is this an episode of, of is this two at the front? An episode of he Captain Pugwash. Where's Master Seaman? Is Master Bates here as well? Probably. <laughs> anyway, so his wife just because you had a birthday thing last night, mate. Donated a hundred grand so that the people of Holbrook. Holbrook could get the sub, get this Colin, uh, what class submarine is it? 
I don't know, one. HMAS. Hot, 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 hot way. Yeah, it was built, built between 1966 and 1979. Good. <laughs> it took a long whatever, time. Whatever the class of sub, no, the class of submarine was. Yeah. The question is, what is it doing here in the ground with small children playing over? And what's more importantly, why did you want to stop where there were small children? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, that's charming, isn't it? We didn't stop because there were small children, of which there was none anyway. <laughs> so you did a, check it out. There was a but we couple of Japanese just, tourists. Yeah. Just to yeah, <laughs> reliving old times. But like to take photos of tall Germans. They thought That's it was right. they thought it was Sydney Harbour. Um, severely disappointed. No, Commander Holbrook was in charge of this of, of a submarine back in um, the First World War in the uh, well in the Anzac campaign. He uh, uh, the Off sub the, coast of the submarine in the Dardanelles. Yes, yep. in that conflict. And apparently he was famous for um, wending his way through a minefield. Um, which damaged, I think, their navigation equipment. Yes. But he kept the submarine submerged for nine hours while he made their escape. And apparently that was quite remarkable because they just had a normal battery on board, the life of which was only supposed to be two hours. two hours. So that's why. And also it's interesting that the town used to be called Germantown. Mm. In other words, Germantown. And you can imagine that in the First World War between 1914 and 1918. They were looking for a new name. Being called Germantown <laughs> probably wasn't too popular. So, in honour of the commander, they renamed the town Holbrook, and as a monument to him, um, they have a one-fifth scale model of his submarine, his original the First submarine. World War. And then um, a while back, they went and bought a submarine and buried it up to its waterline in concrete, and it's uh, it's what the town is famous for. That's a very, very interesting uh, story, but I think that that is the story behind the real story, and that is where the famous Holbrook source came from. <laughs> Funnily but, enough, I hadn't thought of that. Well, didn't you notice how there was an inordinate amount of butchers that have closed down? Yes, but as we discussed on our last big road trip, you know, um, businesses and local shops in these, you know, Rural communities. Yeah, in country towns are, shut, are being shuttered everywhere, so it's disappointing that the local butcher seems to have gone out backwards, but not unusual. Heading off to the Bathurst 12 hour we are, but before we do that, what are you having to drink this afternoon? <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> uh, just coffee at the moment. It's a bit early. Aqua puree for me. JP. Yeah, I've got a Coke in the back here. I'm sure we will tonight in our. It's the first time Stop there's over. ever been a non-alcoholic non show. No. One of the few, it's I'll admit, the first but not the first. It's not the first non-alcoholic show, but it's, no. you know, it's one of very few. We were only high on life the last time we did this job. Quite true. Nothing worth we driving without alcohol. Yeah. So, but I'm sure that. we'll find some little hidden treasure in our stopover tonight in uh, Car Corps. Historic Car Corps, no less, which um, I've sent a little message forward to them to a historic pub um, and guest house we're going to be saying, saying, staying with giving them a slight uh, tap on the arm to say that uh, three media representatives travelling to Bathurst for the 12 hour will be enjoying uh, the hospitality of your inn and to enjoy some fine wines at your establishment of which they came back and said we would be more than happy to accept your uh, arrival uh, gentlemen or something like that 
clearly like, they have no idea who we are then. Exactly. But have, have put have erred on the side of caution and um, will be providing apparently very nice lamb wraps for dinner with, with excellent reds. But of course, starting with a nice cow or chardonnay. Don't look at me like that. That's <laughs> oh, not the cowering joke. Now, viewers, you need to know that we stopped at um, Albury Wodonga, or Wodonga Albury, as the sign actually says on the way. <coughs> and um, folks was very, very happy to see a huge pile of auto action magazines in the server. Sponsored by BJR. There was an official handover from a significant um, um, AA representative, that's not you, <laughs> to, to JP and I uh, to say, look, we're, we're sorry about... Um, being able to get them in South Australia on time, um, and you know who that person was. Anyway, well, we don't need to mention, but he's on the way to the big pondu in town tonight. Which is what? What's going on in big pondland tonight? It's the V8 Supercars season launch. It will be the unveiling of their marketing campaign, um, which will be hung around the slogan "The Greatest Show on Wheels." And the big news will be that. Um, the international pop star Pink will be announced as the voice of a new theme song for V8 Supercars. Um, I think, isn't it? I think it's going to be her hit song, um, uh, "Get the Party Started" or something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not really up on my okay. uh, yep. popular beat. Party started. My yep. popular beat combos. That would be that would make sense. And, and Pink's certainly an entertainer that has been wholeheartedly embraced by the Australian population. I mean, she did a tour uh, late last year. Um, and like she was here for months. Well, isn't, she, isn't her boyfriend Bobby Madden or something? No, no. Her husband is a uh, pro motor, crusty demons, motocross rider from the states, and she's yeah. she's a real rev head. So um, there is a certain uh, synergy there. Anyway, it's going to be the grand launch of V8 Supercars and all their marketing initiatives. Um, they're going to be spending five million dollars this year, they say, on marketing. Um, Who's their agency? Supercars. I've no idea. Well, we're going to leave that uh, little uh, quiz for you to find out, uh, JP, by yes. Googling up um, while we're yeah. travelling in the uh, luxurious Honda Touring Wagon. And it's, a, it's a very nice car, I folks, isn't it? It is a nice car. So far, very smooth, very quiet. 8.4 I mean, kilometres per hundred, here we are, it's sitting out on 115 kilometres an hour um, on the open road. We're, do of Holbrook. we're doing 110 kilometres per hour. That's well, the speed limit, John. <laughs> yeah. But you said there was a 10% factor. That could only be ever unofficial. Um, so we're doing 110. We're on the straight and narrow. But also, there's other news that will be um, unveiled tonight. It's my understanding that Ford will announce, or it will become obvious, and I'll explain it in a moment, that Ford are now once again putting some level of financial support into Dick Johnson Racing. Um, you may recall that uh, Dick Johnson Racing along with Triple Eight were victims of the uh, cutback by Ford back in, uh, at the end of 2008, announced in the middle of 2008, but last year um, they cut back their funding, their direct factory funding to just Ford Performance Racing and Stone Brothers Racing. So. Triple Eight were left out in the cold and they went as far as pulling the badges off their Falcons and uh, DJR also lost their backing but um, four a bit up against it this season uh, numbers wise anyway there'll be 19 Commodores taking on just 
10 Falcon. So after a lot of discussions, um, Ford has decided that as a sign that it's still serious about V8 supercars and is uh, still committed to the sport, that it's uh, lending support to uh, the Jim Beam Racing Team, the uh, two FG Falcons of James Courtney and Stephen Johnson, who incidentally has just re-signed for another two seasons with the team. Um, so as of tonight and for the rest of the season, the uh, Jim Beam Falcons will be running with Ford signage, Ford back uh, reappearing across the windscreen, a big strip, and probably a couple of blue oval logos on the side of the car. So um, it's not a huge amount of money, as I understand it, but it's just it's a, a visible sign that Ford is not, you know, abandoning V8 supercar racing, and uh, they're digging in to fight back against the Holden hordes. So they're giving the Ford boys a little bit of love, really, that and they felt they didn't get last year. Yes, and you're hearing it on Radio Hotline at two ten in the afternoon of the launch day and hence it's pre-launch information which can only attest to the reason why Radio Hot Lap is ranked 167 worldwide in sports and recreation podcasting beating ESPN action sports no less wow well that's very impressive it's true. It's it's, it's good. A, if you go to, if you if go, you go to to iTunes and, yep. you, and you do a bit of messing around, you'll 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 figure it out. So Even wafer, wafer thin was after so us. So possibly there could be millions upon millions of viewers all over the world. Well, then we'd probably be number one. Folks. It is possible because the interweb has no boundaries, does it? <laughs> true. <laughs> the internets. <laughs> Yeah. This intranet. Do you all, think we'll ever take all off? Those, by all those. <laughs> Still waiting to find out. But what if someone turns it off? On that Ford thing, that that was my understanding. That, <laughs> oh, that I don't it, have to go back and do some real work. That it would <laughs> that it would be announced um, as part of the V8 supercar launch, and certainly um, one of the Jim Beam Racing show cars is going to be on display there um, with the Ford signage on it, back on it, if you like. Uh, but the news was uh, slipping out a bit earlier today um, in at least two media outlets, so Ford might have brought the uh, announcement, the official announcement forward, but as we're out on the road, um, we don't know that yet. Although, we do have... Interweb. Uh, we do. Yes, wireless we do have interweb connection. We could actually check that out, but why, why spoil the surprise? And boy, won't they be surprised in the media centre at Bathurst when we break out our iPad... Absolutely. Yes, a world first. You've seen it. You've touched it. I've seen a device that looks very much like an iPad, yes. But you cannot actually confirm it. I'm not allowed to touch it. (laughs) Why not? You won't let me. Yesterday afternoon, on the way over, JP and I dropped into Action Motor Industries, the headquarters of Action Racing, to see the final touches being put on the bright red Mustang Shelby of Marcus Akanovic, Jason Bright, and Alan Simonson. Who incidentally had a seven hour layover at Heathrow and is not happy about that. And he's finally on the plane by now on his way here. (laughs) And had his his helmet and race suit mislaid returning from the Nardo test track in southern Italy where he was driving the 430 Ferrari around and around and around and around and around around at 403 kilometers an hour. Southern Italy, so. So his kit was stolen then, was it? <laughs> it's it gone appears, missing. It appears so. Right. Um, 
truck and the car, it looks it looks pretty schmick, don't you think, JP? It looks absolutely excellent, I thought. The guys have done a fantastic job getting it all ready. And um, I'll, hopefully it'll go as well as it looks. Because uh, it's certainly... Look, I mean, Johnny and I had a good look underneath viewers and uh, in the engine bay, and it's all just been... It's a work of art in there. Well, it's really a brand is. spanking new car with every single component new. Um, and I have to say, the, the guys at, at Action Racing, headed up by Mick Zucanovic, have put a massive amount of effort into it. And Mick does look like he needs a holiday now. He does indeed. Marcus was a little bit fresher on the phone this morning, despite having uh, been around, uh, working around the clock. I think they've pulled a few all sliders, that's for sure. Yep, that's, that's it. But the car's in the transporter at the end of the day, um, being unveiled at 1.30pm tomorrow. Full media launch and Canapes. What do you think about that? How would Spherix have pulled off a deal with Canapes? Canapes. That's right. Is that like those Canapes? Yeah, you know, those ones you Jack's see in the zoo. Yeah, those Canapes. That'd be Canapo. <laughs> would it? That'd be neat. Yeah. Now, we might apologise, viewers, up front if there's a little bit of jangling podcast because the, uh, the the iPod is actually resting sort of on a, on a don't touch it <laughs> it's that one there I know one. And there's too many iPods there it's the it's iPod iPods, iPhones all sorts of things. things but it is just jangling there as JP uh, sits in the business class division um, with his uh, Coca-Cola and, and, and the luxurious air mounted uh, ceiling mounted air conditioner yeah, he's, he's reclining so, regally yeah absolutely plenty of room in this device Hey, um, this has got to be Marcus Zakanovich's comeback. It is. It from is his comeback. And, uh, testing accident, V8 testing accident a year ago. Quite so. Uh, although he did uh, turn, a, a, turn a wheel in a Commodore Cup car uh, at the very end of November, beginning of December, and it did very well. Um, you know, got on the podium, and you know, I think you know, I think we've talked about this before, but uh, and certainly improved. It's you know, much like Grant Denyer, you know, who had a, a layoff after the accident. Uh, monster truck that left him uh, with a broken back. I mean, you, you start doubting yourself. I mean, you, you sort of forget what you, that you are a racing car driver and you worry whether you're going to still have the passion or the skill but, uh, or, or, or the perception of speed. But he, uh, he found that up to be fine. Um, he's itching to get back into it and, and I'm very pleased that he's teamed up with a couple of good steers that are going to be fast, that are going to push him along because there's nothing better than having yourself benchmarked certainly for your own good and, and for the public's good even if that car only manages to do 10 laps you know for one reason or another um, i'm sure it will do more than that um, he'll, car, be, he'll be able to show that he can do the times again the car's like it couldn't be any more brand new if it tried it'll basically first time it turns a wheel is at the track in practice well that's right no. so, um, but a good combo very strong combo <laughs> trio of drivers Zikanovic. Uh, right and Simonson, that that had looked pretty good in a Bathurst 1000. So, uh, what do you reckon, guys? You're closer to this as that Mustang. Can it uh, worry those pesky Evos? I think undoubtedly it can. Um, if one, the car is reliable, um, and it just doesn't, you know, it is hard to believe that a car like brand new is going to run faultlessly. But having said that, look what happened at the um, at the Rolex 24 uh, less than two weeks ago. Brand new team came in, took it yep. from, the, from the favourite Ganassi team. Um, obviously, that's done a bit more time, but, uh, but 
that Sir Jack Brabham, who also raced there in his open wheeler days in the 50s, yep. um, he'll be putting in an appearance. Oh, well, that's, well that's that'll be handy excellent. because you've already done a 5,000 word job with him this week, but you forgot to mention Nublar, didn't you? So you'll be able to get that little annex in. I will. I'll ask him about Nublar and his memories of racing there in the mid-50s. Sorry, emergency tech time! It's the same piece of road near the Wagga Wagga turn-off here north of uh, Holbrook on the way to Gundagai. Coming up here at Christmas, there was a 10k black spot where there was no satellite navigation working and it just did it again. So, what's that right? in them there uh, hills? on again now. Yes. <laughs> the Great Dividing Range. Isn't this freeway good? It this is new it section. Is. It's smooth. It looks like it's concrete. concrete. Yeah, it is. It's grooved. So I love the a US cyclist. style of freeway. It's interesting. But and uh, no, I noticed that they've been very, very thoughtful of putting little animal trails across the road, like a couple of like, almost look like a, um, a bit of webbed netting that goes from one telegraph pole to the other, so that the uh, the animals can pass safely from one part of their uh, natural habitat to the other. I think you'll find there are little tunnels underneath as well, so that the ground-based uh, life forms can get across for um, things like beavers and such. Beavers? <laughs> yes. A beaver root. <laughs> Leave it to beaver. <laughs> he likes pink. <laughs> He's on a beaver root. Pink, beaver and root. Oh, we're talking about everything here today, viewers. I tell you. And he's been chasing his voice. <laughs> I mean, a I'm, veritable, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I a veritable cornucopia of conversation. <laughs> and once tarred with a brush like that, folks, especially when we're going near colleges of Bathurst, <laughs> it's, um, you might as well be also a terrorist because that's it for you. <laughs> You won't be able to get on a plane very quickly again. No. <laughs> just oh just one of life's strugglers. Oh dear. Yes, yep. yes, you Hardy, should we tell the viewers about what we found in Fogues' ensuite this morning? Come on. <laughs> yes. You think we should? Well, I think it's a bit of a funny... Uh, uh, well, I think it's, it's, it's a bit fun. funny because I do, I do remember the, uh, the days of this promotion. Uh, when the media people at racetracks were given this product out perhaps nearly 10 years ago and uh, we found a collection of them. And there was Bogues a corner at one of the circuits that was named in honour of the product. Lady Speedstick. Speedstick Corner. And there was Fogues was in his collection and the pride of place was Lady Speedstick. <laughs> but he doesn't like the lady reference. <laughs> Nor is it accurate. <laughs> it is just speed stick deodorant right. brought okay. back from the United States of America. Right. Good. No, I don't and think it's took for off men. Here. I think they did all that promotion. Yes. And they did the speed stick corner thing right. and it still never took off. Sorry, yeah. I would have tidied up a bit had I known that my <laughs> ensuite was going to be discussed on a podcast heard by apparently millions across right. the globe. I think that's because viewers be reminded that this is the 167th most popular sports and recreation podcast. It is a bit of a Absolutely. niche, yeah, a bit of a niche market. It's more popular than your <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and less popular than 166 other shows. Yeah. Well, but I'm not bitchy about you poking around in my bathroom. Don't, it wasn't get, don't get that impression. It wasn't poking. It was just there. Like I was in there this morning, and it just jumped out, and there it was. And it was like yeah. speed stick. And you had I to bring it up. It. Now, and you had to bring thought, it up. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Now let's go to a little bit of for a last, a little bit of 
And a whip, have a whip, I've got my arms up. It works, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, we're in close proximity in this car and there are no complaints. So. <laughs> I'll tell you, he's got his goat up. Now, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a couple of little uh, questions from the past, simply travelling. You know, that sort of like that, oh, I spy my little eye, sort of like, oh, you've got to find something. Now, we're coming up on a yellow Kalari transporter. Now, there was a supercar, pre-supercar driver, and I think he was of Middle Eastern or Pakistani or something. I remember seeing him. He was racing yeah. about over 10 years before supercars. It was a Commodore. It, yes, it was I a remember, Commodore. I remember right. the colours, you're right, the yellow and yep. red, I think, but I can't remember the name, and I think that's because I was living overseas at that stage. Now, I'm so sure... I don't remember the, who drove it, but I do vaguely remember the car. And, not only that, section B in this two-part question was, at what year did the driver... Don Watson of Don Watson Transport that we saw disappearing uh, in the other direction earlier on in the day lose his life at um, at the chase. I, I want to say 1986. Yeah, I would have. Said. Oh, it's not that long ago. It wasn't no, it 20 was. Years ago. It was after Mike. It was a few years after Mike Bergman. And it was yeah, and it was Mike Bergman's death. I would think um, it's early 90s. And Conrad that. Um, Brought about the creation of the of the Caltech case. Yeah, it was very unfortunate for Don Watson. I think he had a say ninety-one. Some sort of brake failure. You may be right, but there's something in the back of my head that says eighty-six. Um, well, that was the time that nineteen eighty-six refers to the date of the photo used in your column. It's been digitally retouched and coloured. Again, another <laughs> unprovoked <laughs> attack. <laughs> I'm trying to key in stuff here, guys. Viewers, viewers, this is just an unprovoked attack. <laughs> okay, <laughs> seven. There's that photo, those photos of me on my column and the interview are relatively recent. Yes, that is quite They look like me. That, that's what. What else has been going on in the world of motorsport, mate? Seriously, come on, tell us what's happening in F1. You know, lots more about testing's that. begun. Well, we did that last week. What else is that? Well, last you week? asked me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's got to be something another else sign going on, that though. Ford is at least trying to give the appearance of being interested in V8 supercars. Is that they've reappointed a motorsport manager. A bloke by the name of Chris Styring has signed up. His actual title is Group Manager of Motorsport Sponsorship and Events, so as well as Ford's involvement in V8 supercars. I've heard of him somewhere before, but he was yeah, basically motorsport. Did, does he, he take on the role of what, what rate price did he? Well, that's part of his function, or the technical side of what Ray Price is doing won't be part of Chris Dyring's job. Chris will also be looking after Ford's sponsorship interests in um, AFL football, namely John Football Club, and also uh, cricket. Chris Dyring, um, I first came across him. Uh, this is what Holly uh, coming to? About, all, you know, probably a, a decade ago. Um, as a young bloke, he was working in the marketing department of the Williams Formula One team, and he actually oh, yes. rose. 
he rose to the uh, position of um, head of sponsorship or sponsorship. Uh, I'm not sure about acquisition, but anyway, he had he he uh, as they would say he interfaced with uh, Williams Formula One team's uh, sponsors. Chris is also um, notable for starting off the charity tennis match, which uh, Mark Webber was involved. In fact, the charity was. Um, were some of the charities that Mark Webber supported. It, was, it started off in Barcelona in Spain and Chris and Mark together uh, got Formula One drivers and top tennis players to play this charity tournament. And when Chris Styring moved back to Australia, um, I don't know, about five odd years ago, he revived the event at Kuyong and for a couple of years just before the Australian Grand Prix, um, Mark Webber starred in this charity tennis match with local tennis players and some Formula One drivers. So. Chris subsequently, in the lead up to this job, he was in uh, marketing at Richmond Football Club and most wow. recently he was involved in um, uh, marketing and sponsorship acquisition with Tennis Australia. So he comes in with a heavy marketing and promotion background and his job is to go out and um, you know, make sure that Ford's involvement in super, V8 supercar racing is being um, maximised um, as much as it can be. So. You know, he, he's Ford's new point man, their front man in V8. So, as again, I said, it's you know, it's it's a visible sign that Ford is not only still involved in V8 supercars, but you know that they're uh, actively interested. And as this year, it'll be quite important because they'll be reviewing their future strategy and looking at where they go from 2011 and beyond. And according to Ford Australia President Marin Barella, the company will remain and possibly increase its involvement again. Um, and critical decisions coming up, namely which team do they sponsor going forward from next year because the current main factory back teams, Ford Performance Racing and Stone Brothers Racing, um, their current deals are in their last season. They were two-year deals, so they're up for renewal. So Chris Styring, um, you know, is a very self-confident bloke. Um, maybe not as self-confident as uh, Holden Motorsport manager Simon McNamara, but he's um, <coughs> you know he's certainly no wallflower, Chris. So he'll get stuck in and he'll take part in this uh, review process. So it's for Ford fans at least, it's a good sign. It is perhaps the, at the level of confidence, it's just the right level of confidence. Could well be relatively to well others. He'll need it to uh, negotiate the uh, shark-infested waters and to deal with the politics of V8 supercar racing. That's for sure. Absolutely. Right, uh, gentlemen. Right. The answer to your earlier question. Drum roll. Da -da 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 -da, there have been three deaths at Bathurst in almost 45 years of racing. Bergman, Hill. 86, Mike Bergman. Yeah. Oh, he was 86, okay. That was 92, Melrose. Denny Hull yeah. in the Bimmer. And in 94, Don Watson. Oh, I was way out. You were way out, folks. Ten well, I knew, out. I knew 86 was significant in that, unfortunately, yeah. with Mike Bergman. So. I was so, a bit out of... And that can be attributed to the fact that your mind is littered with the relics of dark furniture. And hence, a bit bemuddled. Really? Have you got any idea? Have you got any idea, I didn't realize, got any JP? I didn't realise. Have you got I'm any just, idea what he's talking about? No, I never what, did. What was it? No. I didn't realise there's actually a plaque dedicated to Bergman on the chase. Right. So, so there you be. go, embedded in the concrete barriers. Well, isn't that wonderful? Things you find out. Yeah. Tech talk? Tech talk?
TikTok. I think so. Put a bit of a TikTok, JP. TikTok! What TikTok have we got that we didn't talk about last week? Oh, mate, there's plenty of TikTok that's come out the last week. You've got finally 27 inch IMAX shipping. Oh. Ooh, that'll I do, be Steve. I that's Steve. Who? You can't be taking that call. No, I'm not taking that call. We do finally have 20. Uh, Who was that inch? IMAX. Steve. Jobs. You're talking, you're referring, of course, to not just the 27-inch iMac, but to the top-of-the-range quad-core processor. Sorry about that, viewers. The iPod nearly slipped off the chair then. Johnny's uh, going around a uh, bend a little bit too... Uh, Exuberant. Exuberantly, yes. Extraordinary. We've been talking about nothing for 36 minutes. Is that right? This show amazes me. It amazes us too, you it should know. should be at least the yeah. 128th most popular show in um, television. Do you need to go to we, the toilet? No, we, I'm excited. Week after week. Because it's coming to the end. We sit down. Apparently and we not. Go, oh, it's going to be a short show this week. We haven't got much to talk about. And it nearly always comes out virtually an hour. That's all we say. It's incredible. Right. Nothing to talk about. As we come <laughs> in right. to the rural village of Tarkata. Tarkata. So Tarkata. Is this also Car-cutter. going to be a bypass? bypass? Yes, thankfully. Yeah, this will be another it's bypass. It's a lovely little no, spot. No, Hate it. You have to crawl through Folks 50 kilometres per hour, and it's a known hot spot for police. Where so? Where will the prey on unsuspecting motorists? Because have you, you been to, caught here before, folks? Possibly. <laughs> um, you have to. Be, well, it's ridiculous. You, you know, you're yeah, racing along at 100, yeah, and then right. suddenly, you know, whoa, 50, yeah. and you've got to crawl through this town at 50. It's just—it's not feasible. Well, in fact, you've just had a little bit of a run-in with the law, haven't you? And, well, you made a point, but then they made a point also. Maybe you'd like to bring the viewers up to speed on the awful injustice of it all. Are you sure they wish to be bored by the story? I mean... Well, we've got to blow it out. I thought it was an interesting story, actually. I thought it was very analytical. Well, I'll try and keep it. Porsche race support. Thank you. Short, but, yeah, on the way back, from the Clipsal 500 last year, um, outside a little town just over the other side, over the Melbourne side of the South Australia Victoria border, near a little town called uh, Caniva, I got booked for speeding um, in excess of the 100 kilometre per hour speed limit. Now, I was most put out by this because at the time I didn't realise I was in Victoria. I thought I was still in South Australia and driving to the 110 kilometre per hour speed limit in South Australia. Now, you might think, how could a driver of Fogue's experience not know where he was? Well, the simple fact is that earlier in the day there had been a major accident on the highway um, just outside Bordertown and the main highway between Adelaide and Melbourne at that point just near the border was closed while they cleaned up the mess. So there was a diversion put in place, and that diver- diversion you know, took you, you know, out and back and around, back onto the highway. Now, pretty much the last main speed limit sign I saw when I turned off onto the diversion off the highway was 110. Followed the diversion, no sign of when I'd crossed from South Australia, or that there was any crossing of the border, came back onto the highway, off the diversion and then for the next I think 25 kilometres until I got done for speeding there was no speed limit sign 
and no indication that I was back in Victoria. So not knowing where I was, being out, put, sent out into the boonies on this diversion, I thought I was still going to the 110 kilometre speed limit. So I thought it was very unfair in those circumstances that I should, you know, get booked for a, again, in the circumstances, a reasonable mistake. So I decided to contest the fine and recently went to court, fought the good fight, argued my case, presented my evidence, represented myself, first time I've ever appeared in a court. I covered court cases, of course, as a young reporter years ago, it's the first time I've ever appeared. And while, to sum up, while the magistrate was sympathetic and, you know, was sort of mulling over the possibility of letting me off under the uh, provisos of of something they call honest and reasonable intent. Um, his hands were tied because that is not allowed as a defence. It's your responsibility as a driver, apparently, to know at all times what the speed limit is, even if you don't know where you are. Um, the cops were rattled. They called an adjournment because they were expecting me just to come and fight, you know, to dispute the radar uh, speed reading from the patrol car, um, which, if you... Um, you're not disputing if you don't have any evidence to the contrary, it can't be argued. So they were rattled and they called an, called an adjournment. This is all happening in a little country town <coughs> just over the border called Nil, quite appropriately. Oh, yeah. um, so the cops, the police, sorry, the police. Yeah, hot that listenership in Nil's yeah, dropped right off. The police <laughs> prosecutor uh, called an adjournment and it rushed back to the police station, I suppose, to you know, get out the paperwork to show, you know, case history that there was a precedence, um, which was set back in apparently another court case in 1992, that this defence of honest and reasonable intent um, was not allowed as, as a defence. So, right. um, the char- you know, the offence stood, I lose, I get fined and I lose the demerit points, which is, you know, the most galling thing. But I, I, I came away from um, the court appearance, having learned a lot about how um, the magistrates' courts work out in the bush, um, and also I, I felt that I scored a moral victory. You know that I was yeah. uh, that, um, that the charge was up was upheld on, on a technicality. Um, it may not be over yet. There's still the possibility of an appeal and other actions. But anyway. I just did it because I thought it was unfair in in the circumstances. They were very unusual. It came down to the fact that I didn't know where I was. Um, but you know, if more people fought the system, you know, we have this repressive regime, um, you know, against you know speeding. You are speeding, but you know the to- tolerance margin is so low; it's ridiculous. You know, if people don't stand up and fight. Um, you know, more and more of our freedoms will just disappear as they are already. So, but 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 isn't it sort of a pointless exercise fighting if at the end the judge says, well, you know, no matter what you say, you're wrong anyway because you can't just go up against the, you can't just go up against the system like that because we don't care. Like lack of knowledge is not our fault; it's your fault. It's very frustrating. You know, it's like they say. You, you, why do they even bother to yeah, have the you, case? You can't beat City Hall. Well, the, the, the police weren't expecting the defence that I had. They were expecting me to, you know, fight it on a completely, um, a completely other tack. 
um, and apparently the system fell down in and that before, beforehand I was supposed to be to have been contacted and apparently the way it works is that you know they discuss with you what your defence will be so um, I suppose it's a bit like you know the process of, of discovery yeah. in a court case so would be. Um, they were unprepared but you know not my problem it's no, not exactly. my job to alert them um, to what I'm doing if they didn't have the wit to ring me up and ask the yeah. only phone call I ever got was to ask whether I'd be having legal representation or, or I'd be representing myself which I did so you know the fact that they were um, caught by surprise to put it mildly was it was their own fault but um, yeah a higher court may be able to overrule you know case history and set a new precedent but right. you know whether it's worth appealing you've got to weigh up you know is it worth the time the, costs, the effort and yeah. the cost as well so yeah. oh, well, there you go it was um, interesting little anecdote though nevertheless but you're right in what sense John the people wouldn't be interested in that <laughs> <laughs> They'd probably be more interested in how your excellent burger was this And we're not doing not the burger it. show again, are you? Did the burger show last time? But we haven't had burgers since then. <laughs> Welcome to episode two of Radio Hot Burger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Look, you're Radio like Angus. Uh, what else has been going on in tech land? Let's have a think about it. Things are hotting up again. We're struggling. We, yeah, we yeah. are struggling. Have we had the debate about iPad and whether we think it's a good thing or not, or whether no, it will be useful? Been doing, we've done that. Yeah. Done You've that. done that. It's been done to death, and we did it last week too. Okay, that's what I was asking you. A simple, a simple yes or no. Would I, I, can see that this, Sorry, I can folks. see where this is going, folks. Descending into bickering. <laughs> We're going to have to have a break yeah, and come back. Start. We'll regroup. Well, that was a nice little interlude. At the Wombat Hotel, boys. It was. A reshes, no less. It appears that we had a reshes, yes. And yeah. Neither of us remembered or realised that they still make reshes, apparently. It didn't taste different, so presumably it's still the brand still it's around. The Wombat look on a rock. Yes. As we turn on to the Olympic Way. But uh, that's actually quite a nice little run there through Harden. But um, You've, you've made a few friends, I noticed, down the road at the uh, at the coffee shop. Whilst having a coffee, you've, made, you've, you've yeah. started to read the paper. Look at, not read. I was looking to see if there's anything of interest in the paper. But you were touching whilst I you were was. waiting for your coffee, though. Yes. And you got the filthiest look and not a very nice coffee, and you were told to basically beetle off. <laughs> Fifteen k's up the road at the Wombat Pub, there. That bloke had rung ahead because there was a sign that said papers are for, for, for buying, not reading. Yes, they seem to take it a bit hard here if you try before you buy. Look, I, I think you can, you can... JP, what's your thought on this, mate? I think magazines are okay, but newspapers? Yeah, newspapers is pushing it a bit. Unless you've heard from a friend that there's an article in the newspaper that you should read and you just flick through to try and find that... And then you decide that, okay, having read it or glanced over it, that you want to buy the paper anyway. But I mean, I think the local chicken shop should be encouraged to purchase a newspaper for you to peruse whilst waiting for your chicken to be ready. That that would be the solution. Like would. Or the coffee shop. I feel no embarrassment. I was looking to see if there are any motorsport stories in the sports section of the Daily Telegraph. Had there been, which of course it usually wasn't, 
um, I would have bought the paper, but I was clearly just flipping through it. I wasn't stopping and reading the thing. And meantime, I'm impressed to, uh, you know, pay for the coffee and the paper. Well, clearly I wasn't going to buy the paper because it had nothing in it I wanted, so... I gave him my money, he slapped down the change on the counter and I would have given him an earful had it not been for the fact that the woman who was making the coffee was unfailingly pleasant and cheerful, so I let it go. Well, folks, I'm sure that, uh, you know, um, you'll, you'll be making up for, for lost time here tonight at the, the Car Corp Historic uh, Hotel. Well, making, which, making friends and influencing people. Well, that's right, and uh, you know, on the basis that you're off to two weeks of dry land... Um, uh, to Abu Dhabi, to Yas Marina, and then Bahrain before, um, and having to write the race report too. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not writing the race report. Don't do race reports. Yeah, no, it looks like I'm going off the booze to uh, for the first two V8 events of the year, which for the first time the V8 Supercar Championship is starting offshore, not only offshore but overseas in, as you said, Abu Dhabi, and then on to Bahrain. Um, Bahrain, the series has been to three times before, but Abu Dhabi, the Yas Marina Formula One circuit, is entirely new, and I have to admit that I'm really looking forward to seeing that track because on TV last November when they had the first Formula One race here, it just looks spectacular. I mean, it's it's probably not the greatest track in the world as usual. Anything designed by Herman Tilke, you know, tends to be pretty um, bland at best. But architecturally, it just looks stupendous. I mean, those, the grandstands and the way part of the track, the runoff area is actually underneath the grandstands and the, the hotel um, crossing over the track and all that. It, um, it really looks there? good. Um, I don't believe so. I don't know where I'm staying yet, but I doubt if I'll be staying in the actual hotel. You never know your luck in the big city. The media uh, centre be pretty slick. You'd imagine so, yes. No, but I'm, you know, so I don't think it's a great track, although possibly the you know well not possibly i would imagine the v8s will perform pretty well there and the racing would be pretty good because like bahrain it's a big open circuit and there's plenty of width and if one if we've learned one thing about v8 racing give them a wide track give them plenty of room to move you know get three abreast at least through a corner you get some very spectacular racing so they're using a shortened version of the track um incorporating a, a cut across at uh, one at down the end, one end of the track, um, which they're calling the corkscrew because apparently it sort of plunges away a bit. Um, but they'll be using the full Formula One pits, including the underground pit exit, as you might have seen on the TV during the Formula One race. Oh, there is an option, is there, to go straight or go use a regular style of exit? Uh, not from the Formula One pits, but it, um, there was some thought at one stage that the V8s would use the support race pits and pit lane exit, I mean, which by V8 local stands would have still been spectacular facilities, but no, they're using the full Formula One deal, and um, so that'll be quite exciting to see the, and hear the V8s booming out through that underground pit exit. Uh, so I'm expecting the racing to be pretty interesting, particularly as, you know, there are a lot of unknowns about the series starting off at a brand new track, everyone goes there even Stevens, yeah, and with all the changes that have been going on within the teams, particularly with Team Vodafone switching from Falcons to Commodores, um, hopefully um, there's an exciting prospect of the results being quite jumbled. Um, probably won't be. Um, 
you know, the big teams will emerge, but there is some potential, I think, for uh, not so much new faces, but, you know, more teams mixing it. Absolutely. Folks, in your, uh, have you heard anything from the teams themselves with regard to the fact that, you know, it's a flyaway race for the first race of the year? Are they happy about it, unhappy about it? Has there been any, you know, anybody been outspoken about, I don't think we should be doing this? And where do you get a beer? Uh, in Abu Dhabi and Bahrain, they're pretty relaxed. They're, you know, for, for Muslim countries, they're very relaxed and open. And um, while bars are not widespread um, in the in the main hotels, certainly in Bahrain, it, you, can, you can get a drink anywhere. Um, and I understand as much the same in Abu Dhabi. And it'll be interesting to see whether they get a bigger crowd at Abu Dhabi because there's a much larger population of expats. You know. Aussies, Kiwis, and, and you know even Poms. Um, so there's some thought that they maybe will get a bigger crowd than Bahrain, but that wouldn't be hard because the actual number of paying spectators who so far turned up to the Bahrain races, um, well, it's an exaggeration to say you can count them on one hand, but you know they are in the low thousands. Let's yeah, put it that, right. this way. Interesting um, to see what the cost of entry is. Uh, pretty reasonable, I think, and you know. Um, people are probably a little more prosperous, generally speaking, in Abu Dhabi than they are in Bahrain. Um, so they should get, you know, a bigger crowd, but you know, it won't be monstrous. It's it's early days there. Ferrari World is located right next door. Hopefully, it will be finished to be able to uh, experience that uh, interactive feel. Mm. I don't. I think it's still in that construction. It's not not due for completion until I think later this year. But yeah, that that'll be interesting. And it's not far from Dubai either, so I might get a chance to beetle up the road and check out Dubai again. Um, and, uh, well, I suppose anything really to go and do in Dubai is um, go to the uh, Mall of the Emirates and uh, go to the indoor skiing slope. Oh, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. In part of the shopping centre, the big shopping centre, is uh, an indoor uh, ski slope. And, I mean, it's, it's feeble, it's only small. But, you know, it's quite good fun and it's quite bizarre to go from stifling heat um, to, well, yeah, stifling heat almost, um, into this fully air-conditioning, air-conditioned facility that's so cold that you actually have to put ski gear on, you know, big jacket and leggings and the whole thing. Well, it's about time to wrap up, mate, as we turn up into Young, uh, central New South Wales, actually. We're here again. We were here just, what? Ian McAllister's Five board ago. operation right, is here. Macca. And, uh, but mate, just before we go, I, I hear a sort of congratulations are in order into this uh, this new business venture that you've come up with <laughs> as a result of the, the unfortunate um, police charge that took you out to, to nil. Is that you've cornered the market on railway sleepers and you've got a deal cut with Alan Seal <laughs> to do a signature series of sleepers and you'll be, you'll be archiving them. How did you come up with that idea? Well, as you and JP saw uh, on your drive over from Adelaide to meet up with me in Melbourne, the uh, railway line um, up in the west of Victoria is just lined with old sleepers. They've been renewing um, the tracks there with concrete sleepers and all the wooden ones are just lying there in great stacks. You know, I mean, there must be, what, a hundred or more in each stack. Absolutely. And oddly, on the way up here, um, uh, one point alongside the Hume Highway, the railway track running up there. They were doing the same renewal process and there are, you know, even Another. bigger piles of sleepers. So yep. I reckon in, in, you know, in the dark of night, 
can come along with a big truck, there'd be some good business there, wouldn't there? Well, you'll be straight back to the nil courtroom oh. again, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I've seen you. As you saw, it was bizarre that there's always all these railway sleepers, which are much prized for people to put in their gardens. Uh, they seem to be going begging. I presume they're going to collect them all up and uh, sell them off at, at tender or something. But, uh, yeah, it did occur to me there was a... Bit of a, uh, a business proposition there, but so uh, if any of the probably viewers, not anymore because we've just let the cat out of the bag. If any we? of the viewers need a retaining wall in their backyard and they want to make it out of railway sleepers, uh, just uh, rent the truck and off you go. Yeah. And folks, all sign up, sign them off. Fogue sleepers, look it up on the web. <laughs> See you later in the weekend, viewers. Cheers, viewers. There, viewers.